0: What is the answer to 99 out of 100 questions?
1: Money. Look, man, all these
2: jokers have got a lot of money, and it belongs to me. I want to know who they are and what they're doing with it.
0: I'm sorry about that, man. I really am. Money does bad things to people. There ain't no excuse for it. Money. money, money, I'm gonna say money,
2: and I'm gonna say welcome to the We Are Money podcast, brought to you by Beasley Mitchell and Company. I am your lovely host, Brad Beasley, and with me, as always, is David.
3: Party on, Brad. Party on,
2: David. <laughs> it's nice to see you guys again, Lauren. We also have with us Lauren Grazina. That's right. Good to see you. And you will—you will be absent. One of our favorite One of our voices, Miss Rebecca Deeser has chosen to uh, uh, leave the Valley of uh, Mesilla Valley and head. to... Uh, to the frozen tundra of Minnesota.
0: That's right. Yes.
3: I don't know why you would do that. I mean, do it earlier because it's supposed to be nicer yeah. up there in the summer.
2: Well, it's probably nice right now, but here in about a month and a half, you be like, it is cold, cold, yeah. cold. That's right. So, uh, and then also with us, we have one of our uh, guests for today, one of my favorite people. Oh, yeah. Yes. Alice Lara.
1: Oh, shucks.
2: Well, oh, and Alice, we'll learn more about <laughs> her here in a little bit. But uh, in addition to being a radio personality and a uh, lobbyist, she's also... Uh, the aunt to David Beasley.
3: Yes, we refer to her as Anti Alice. As the
2: Anti Alice. <laughs> Anti
1: Alice. Yes. Pretty appropriate, and uh, I'm very proud to be your auntie. <laughs> well, there you go.
2: There you go. Well, what we do with all of our guests, uh, Alice, is so we always ask them, "What is it that you do around here?" What, well, what would you say you do here? <laughs>
1: Sorry for making a mistake in the very beginning, talking over the deal. That was my fault. Oh, you're okay. Uh, I am from Arizona. I live in Phoenix, Arizona, and I work for Copper State Consulting Group, and that is a political consulting firm. I've been there almost 17 years. My job, really, I take care of more of the manager-type stuff, but I am a registered lobbyist being part of the firm.
3: So a lobbyist, is that kind of like like this? Let's all go to the lobby. Let's
1: all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Is is, is that what it's about? Well, you know, that's perfectly appropriate that you play that, because as many people maybe know already, but that's how they got their name, because uh, these guys want to influence the political leaders, so they'd wait in the lobby, waiting to catch them as they'd come in to do their lawmaking. Yes, that's why you became lobbyists. That's what they called them, Hmm. lobbyists.
2: Well, that's interesting. That's, yeah. You learn something new every day. That's all how right. I got the name John.
1: <laughs> uh, now we know. Uh,
2: well, that's good. That's good. Well, then I was named after those little wacky clips that kind of spread open in the middle. So, uh. I don't know. Lauren, I got nothing for you. I don't know, I don't know either. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when you start talking about lobbyists and all that stuff, I mean, what typically, I mean, I know you can't can, you know, talk about who your clients are, but what kind of groups typically do lobbyists or like yourself represent?
1: Well, actually... Um, your audience is welcome to go to CopperState.net, and you can see a lot of our clients. We, uh, and A lobbyist, to explain it, this is the best explanation my boss, Stan Barnes, the owner, has, is someone who solves political problems. Okay. And we lobby at the state level for Arizona. Different kinds of clients. We have from a photo radar client that we have
2: okay.
1: to education, and a lot of ours is energy. So okay. solar energy electrical energy, power plants, things like that.
2: So this would be if, if there was a bill or if there was some type of concern that your industry group would have, you would go lobby for or against a specific law or or, or just inform them, you know, of what's going on?
1: Exactly. So let's say you're the client and you, you know a law is coming up you hate. You mm-hmm. do not want that to pass or want to be influencing the legislators. Then you might hire us to do that. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you really want something to pass and then you would come. Either way, it's so mm-hmm. anti or pro. It just depends. And a, a lot of times, too, the the other end of the political consulting realm is. Once in a while, we don't really do too many. <clears throat> pardon me, too many uh, campaigns. Mm-hmm. But once in a while, we will do and and consult on campaigns. My boss has a lot of history on that.
2: So, is there really such a thing as political capital?
1: Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And that's you know that's that's a really good question because. I think a lot of times as a lobbyist, you have to figure out, should I spend it now or is, am I not going to spend it? And that's part of it. I mean, you can give all the wonderful advice in the world to your client, but they still don't have to take it. Right. And they still get to blame you because they're paying you.
2: <laughs> yeah, don't we know that?
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, you guys know that firsthand.
2: Now, have you seen situations in some of the lobbying efforts that I've done where I've been a part of the American Institute of CPAs and we've done lobbying on Capitol Hill when we met with the Democrats, and the Republicans, when you actually talk to them in person, they're really not super, super far off. But then in the public, it's just, I mean, it's light years apart in some cases. Do you run into some of that sometimes when you guys are looking at deals?
1: Well, as you guys probably know, Arizona is usually on the national scene. Right. Because we have, we're we're still a right-wing state, I would call us, but there is some moderation to that. It Mm -hmm. can depend. I mean, and, and there's some times I'm sure you can go in there and you talk to someone, you think that you've already given them a lot of education about the bill or not, and mm-hmm. they are are seeming to be with you or not with you, and then they surprise you, because in the end, it doesn't matter. You know, people think, oh my God, those terrible lobbyists, they're running everything. Well, it's a matter of influence and access. So you might say, you might be a legislator, say, you know, I, I don't want to talk to that guy, whatever, they're mad at you, whatever. They don't have to. Mm-hmm. Nobody has to.
3: Mm-hmm. Now, the, the lobbyists, you can't, you know, despite of what you see, like, on the movie, The Distinguished Gentleman, and that, I mean, you're not actually paying to, you know, you're not providing anything except information and that to the, 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 the vote, the The legislature. legislature.
1: And, and I'm glad you brought that up too, because, and this is what I do. You have to file in Arizona every quarter and also one at the end of the year, any expenses. Like if I, if you're a legislator and I take you to lunch, I've got to keep track of that. If it's over 20 bucks, it's a different form. It's, it's really, you guys would appreciate it because you're accountants, CPAs and attorneys. And it's, it's tedious. I hate it. That's the worst part of my job. I hate it. But what's good about it is it's, it's kind of a full disclosure thing. If you do a special event and all that, but you don't pay. And yeah, your job is to educate that person, give them information, of course, how you want them to be influenced, but they do provide a service. Some people say, Oh, you don't need them. Well, think about all the bills that go through. I don't know. I don't know how long you guys stay in session. We're in session until about the end of April, hundreds of bills and a lot of times you don't have time to sit through. They have some of them have assistants that do that for them. So if you get a really good lobbyist like my boss, I think he's the best in the state, Stan Barnes, he will give you a little synopsis on what you need to know and be able to answer questions. They serve a good purpose.
2: Yeah, so, we're so in New Mexico basically we have the 30-day session, which is a budget-only session. And then every other year we have a 60-day session, which is they can introduce things outside of the budget. And the budget is a very broad topic. I mean, there's a lot of things that can touch a budget, even though it's not really budget related and so you know it's that's really interesting all the registering now i'm not sure if you saw the funny story in north carolina where the North Carolina—we're
3: not talking about bathrooms here, are we, Brad? No, we're not talking about bathrooms. <laughs> okay. Yeah. North Carolina—the North Carolina
2: Ethics Commission said that sexual acts between lobbyists and state officials covered by North Carolina's State Ethics Act do not constitute a reportable expenditure or things of value, according to the state's Ethics Commission. <laughs> Friday. So I, I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> no, i seen that, that before. And that, and that, are you making that up, Brad? No, this is actually from <laughs> W R A R A L in uh, in North Carolina. This is actually a i uh, I'm looking at write it on online and I actually talked about that that wow uh, well, tra- they're, interesting I think they were trying to hang a congressman on not re- properly reporting like gifts received or something like that <laughs> on some type of thing and and I, so I thought that was really funny just you <laughs> so know, you know.
1: interestingly enough I just heard in North Carolina they were doing something also in the schools where you couldn't tell if your kid wanted to be a transgender it's speaking about the transgender so there must be something going on in North Carolina
3: Sounds like a pretty happening place, apparently. Yeah, right. <laughs> it sounds like you're really bored. Now. Yeah. Wacky yeah. Things, wacky things to Can think of. Can you imagine
1: if you had to fully disclose all the sexual acts, and <laughs> lobbyists? I don't did. know. I might need another pen here. <laughs> 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 or, or so or how, how do you value that. Right on the back of that. Full disclosure, yeah.
3: man. Wow. Yeah, I, I think there was full disclosure. <laughs> that was the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's Not very many clothes. <laughs> yeah. You know. so, so I
2: get asked a lot by my by my clients, Alice. Um you know, At what point should they look at uh, a lobbyist or being part of a group that has a good lobby with them? Because a lot of times they're small businesses or whatever, but I still feel that they need to understand the political situation so that when a bill comes up, that they're, they're available. For instance, our state society of CPAs, we have lobbyists on retainer, and we might go a whole two or three sessions without ever having to make a phone call. But then we, then when something happens, boom, we have to make that call. Is that a good scenario for people? And that
1: happens, you know, because you do have clients because you don't know from day to day what could happen, what pops, pops up in this modern world. Mm-hmm. And so a retainer can be a good idea. There are some that, you know, maybe they don't think they have anything to worry about. They don't. See, and that's part of the job, too, of the lobbyists. They're watching everything. They know the influential people and they can call and I say, you know what, this particular bill is coming up, so you may want to do this or let's get ready for it. So it just depends on the business and what you want.
3: So, as a lobbyist, if you're trying to affect legislation once somebody's been elected, how do you play that during an election cycle? Because if you're, I mean, if you don't know what side to be on, but you don't know who's going to get elected and who's going to be in there, I mean, you don't want to rock the boat, and then you have no power if it comes in. How how does that play? I come tell you what, play?
1: that's a, the best question because I don't know how my boss does it. You know, we are, and, and it's not a secret. We are a conservative firm. So we kind of, we lean right. However, you have to be able to have a very good stellar reputation. So both sides will talk to you. And that's where you stand out because there are some that aren't smart enough maybe to do that, mm-hmm. but you have to be honest and, and truthful, you know, and again, here's the reputation lobbyists. We're like the used car dealers, you know? Well, no, not if you're a good one, mm-hmm. because there's, especially in today's world, you can go and you can look things up. There's, nothing's really private anymore. It's mm-hmm. really not. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I remember when one of the things, I remember back uh, several years ago at our state CPA society, we had the discussion because we had Susanna Martinez and Diane Dennis running, and it was actually a neck and neck race. And our lobbyist came to us and said, We, we don't know who's going to go, but, so we need to make donations on both sides to make sure we, you know, at least have appeased both sides just because we don't know who's going to win in those and, kind of and
1: some of them do that. to It's kind of like protection. They make little small donations, and that way, like you say, they don't appear to be favoring one. Right. Over the other, but I think really the bottom line is because a lot of you know Stan's been in business for a very long time. They understand politically where he comes from, mm-hmm. but they can trust him because he knows he's the real deal and if if they didn't man he'd hear about it.
2: Well that's fantastic mm-hmm. this is this has been interesting. Anybody got any other questions for? Her?
3: No so the only thing I would have is is would you equate the um, the atmosphere in the legislature in Arizona more like House of cards or more like distinguished gentlemen or what would it be?
2: Or Barnum and Bailey.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, you know what? Probably the Barnum and Bailey. <laughs> I want to tell you, though, when I first started, I've been there for 17 years, and it was pretty clear cut who was on what side and everything. And as my boss described, it used to be like attorneys. Maybe you can do this. They'd go and they tried things, but afterwards, they were all still friends. There's a little bit more animosity that goes on there, and they're watching things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to have be sharp about it. That's all.
2: Nice. Okay. Well, once again, thank you very much, uh, Alice Laura from. Uh, Copper State Consulting Group. Once uh, again, thank you very much.
1: Thank you Thanks so you. much, you guys. I just, you know, you're you're my favorite nephews.
2: I'll oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Aww. Out of the 12. Yeah. Well, that's great.
1: <laughs> my favorite broadcasting right. nephews. I better put yeah. a disclaimer <laughs> <laughs> on there. Yeah,
3: and, and I also want to uh, put a little plug in there for, for the show that Alice hosts in, in Arizona, Chips and Salsa Show, which hey, you want to tell us how that's available?
1: You know what? You can go to Chips and Salsa Show. That's chips, letter N, salsashow.com. And you can find out all about us. And I want to plug you, Mr. David Beasley, because you actually wrote our theme music.
2: Wow. You're multi, You're so talented. David. I am so talented. You don't even realize it? it. Well, no, I realize <laughs> it every time my parents say who their favorite child is. Oh, it. Yeah. Every single time. Every Your favorite talented child. Disclaimers. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of uh, favorite children, uh, my favorite segment is uh, coming up, which is If Brad Ruled the World. Yeah. Oh,
3: All right, Brad. So we are back with another episode of If Brad Ruled the World, and we have this here, and um, we got some questions here that would like you to, uh, to listen to, and let me know what your thoughts are on here. Okay. So the first question we have is, what is one way that politicians have not explored, in your opinion, to motivate a stagnant economy?
2: I haven't think, I don't think they've broken the economy down in a more simplistic fashion. I think they talk, try to talk in big words and big things. They say, oh, we're going to increase employment. We're going to do this. Well, let's get back to what the basics of increasing our economy is, which means making stuff that we can sell to other places and bring money into our economy. You know, so let's get back to those types of services, whether it's services or manufacturing. I think they tend to use a lot of big words to try to sound really intelligent about the economy but I think they need to break it down into very simplistic terms of we need money from other places to come into our economy.
3: Yeah, so printing money usually doesn't work from what I
2: understand. Well, especially on your own printer, that's a film. Yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> great, great. Second question, if you could change the type of medals given out at the Olympics instead of gold, silver and bronze, mm-hmm. what would they be?
2: Okay, so instead of gold, silver and bronze, Okay, I think that uh, I would go with for number, for the, the third place uh, person, I think I would go with Lava Rock. Lava Rock, okay. Yeah, just because it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun, and it's really not that important, kind of like getting a bronze medal. It's like, congratulations, you number three. We need mm-hmm. somebody else <laughs> to stand on this on this box with us, cause, <laughs> so, it, so it evened itself out, right? Um, you know, I th- actually think that they should make um, platinum, for silver, oh. that'd be kind of nice, right? Platinum, wow. platinum, yes. Kind of heavy, wouldn't it? Well, it would be kind of heavy, but you know, I mean, so would the rock, I guess. Yeah, well, so would yeah. lava. Depending on how big these metals are, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you could make them proportionate. Uh, and I think for the gold medals, I mean, why not just give diamonds? I mean, diamonds yes. metal. Yeah, I like that, that. Can
0: be a metal. Yes, Lauren, talk about bling. Yes. yes,
2: you know, I mean, they have bling. I mean, might as well. You know, I, that's what I think.
3: Nice. Yeah. Well, if we, maybe if we have an Olympic like in Africa or something, they have the diamond mines. I mean, they can make that happen.
2: Oh, that's true. Just be a nice big rock.
3: Yes. (laughs) Just a big hunk. All right. Um, Should businesses be allowed to donate to campaigns?
2: Oh, that's interesting. The old citizens United. Citizens United right here. Okay. So should businesses be able to donate to campaigns? You know, honestly, I really feel that because there's so many, there's so much government regulation of businesses. It's the same kind of discussion of, of, voting rights a little bit in this case, because what you have is, a, they can pass legislation on my business, and my business has almost no say in what's going on. And so to the extent I think that people can donate to, uh, within regular uh, regulatory limits, I believe that uh, businesses should be able to. But of course, that goes against my whole philosophy that we really should have publicly funded elections and just see how good people can manage their money, as opposed to having yeah, you said yeah, give that, everybody a
3: certain amount and yeah. see how well you can spend it. That's how well you can manage the economy the, the budget. Could I, I be a
1: be and just weigh in here? I think yeah. that yes. Feel free and to weigh in anytime. Full <laughs> weighing in now yes. at 115 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I think that anybody should do it but full disclosure. So whatever little business you have, and full disclosure. That's mm-hmm. America freedom.
2: Right. Well, because there's you know, and there's a lot of different stuff. I think that it just it gets there's so many different things. Like one of the examples we had here in Las Cruces was a scenario where there was a lot of regulation the city was trying to put on. And so the mayoral and city council elections are very, very important to what's going on within our firm. However, at that time, only one of our four partners actually lived in the city and was able to vote on the on the issues. Yeah, that's As actually a big thing in Las Cruces. It's a yeah. big thing because majority of people, a lot of people in you know, nice neighborhoods live outside in the county but can't vote on stuff that's going on with their businesses in the city. So it's, it's, it's an interesting concept. Yeah.
3: Hmm. Next question. Should online or text voting be allowed in our political process?
2: Oh, absolutely. We should have Ryan Seacrest uh, give out the next presidential deal. I mean, I think it should, if American Idol can get everybody to vote, I mean, come on, we should be able to do this. This would be great. This would be great. Think about all the money Verizon and AT&T would make if we could just have text messaging yeah. for the presidential stuff.
3: But so, 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 <laughs> so, so we're getting a thumbs down here from our guest.
1: <laughs> Okay, full right. disclosure again. I keep using that phrase. Okay, poll tax. I hate, poll tax? I hate early <laughs> Right. I would like to go totally old school. You want us to go horse and buggy to, yeah. the, to the polls? Like dip your, dip your finger like in, <laughs> in, a, in a purple thing to say that I voted or something? And, well, uh-huh. unless you have something that prevents you from being there on voting day, sometimes there's you know issues, you're overseas or whatever, but something could happen the day before, the hour before you vote, and you should have full that full time as a candidate to give, get out all that information, and then make your decision that day, because right. and there's there's more element, there's more of a, a chance for fraud. So I'm, you know, sorry, well, but I have to give a thumbs down. Well, then, would, then
3: the online and texting would actually work well because you could just open up the online. What if somebody hacks into it? That, what if somebody hacks into it now? Well,
2: that's true. That's and, true. Yeah. Well, except, yeah, it's you know, I, I w- it seems to me with all this technology that there should be a better way to increase a voter turnout and B, increase the accuracy and uh, security of the elections, you know, but it seems like we keep wanting to kind of dumb it back down to, okay, no, same deal. We're going to go old school, but it seems like with technology, we should be able to come up with something, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, just for example, in, in the last two elections, we've gone to look at the going to vote, and I have seen both my deceased grandparents' name. On the roster there. Oh, well, wow. so you
1: hit on the voter fraud. And you need <laughs> to clean up those rolls. And you're, you're absolutely right. There's so much more that needs to be done. I understand in Texas, I don't steal the deal, but you go and it's you, it it's requires ID. You have to do that. Mm-hmm. But this is a very precious thing. So, whatever it takes, technology or anything, to make that vote, this is private and your vote. Nobody else should have access to that.
2: You oh, absolutely. Can. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Great. Well, kind of jumping away from the political thing just for a little bit. Brad, we took a nice little vacation down to Disney World and they have those wonderful ID bands, which everything is loaded onto it, include everything, your food, your, your credit card room, everything. Mm -hmm. Should we work as a society to get that everywhere?
2: I love the idea. I love the idea of not having to carry a wallet. I can have my little ID band that has a pin number on it that I don't give to anybody. Um, of course, now that my aunt. Alice is on our deal. Everybody knows what my mother's maiden name is now. So, <laughs> gotta so change that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going to have to <laughs> work on changing that one. But no, if you had a PIN number and then now you could go and you click on it and you, you know, doop and and you press that stuff. I I, I thought it was very convenient. Yes, there's the, the cyber stuff and all the other things that could happen. But man, that was so convenient. If, you know, when you think of some of this stuff, like, okay, all right, well, I don't have my driver's license with me. Well, no, just literally scan my little bar here and that's my driver's license. Or, you know, here's my insurance. It's all mm-hmm. right here. Like everything's... On this little deal, your medical history, my medical history, the medical history would be huge. So that you just pull up and think, you know, here's Brad's medical history. You know,
0: absolutely. Should
1: it be on your body though, in case someone steals that little card?
2: It might be. <laughs> it might be fun. A nose ring. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Ah, there nose you ring.
3: Got- or we could just yeah. get a tattoo. That, getting... That's what Lauren's is for. That's actually. right. Oh. It mm-hmm. Surprise. It's actually a USB drive. It's USB drive. <laughs> yeah. a, limited US drive. <laughs> a limited booger.
1: <laughs> Notice you said booger and I said Beasley. That's Beasley. Yeah. There's about the same thing.
3: <laughs> All right. So got one here, Brad. If you, so kind of you ruled the world, but if you could advise Hillary to win, what would you say?
2: stay alive. Just don't like, just, just keep breathing. Cause you're good. I mean, I, I don't see a scenario where even though I may not agree with it, I don't see a scenario where and a short of Hillary coming out and saying that I love to club baby seals that, that, that she can, that she can lose. I mean, but of course there's all this other back history that's coming out. You have the deal that came out today about the, the, uh, uh some of the other emails, with the, Clinton, the guy with the Clinton Foundation that was getting jobs and all this stuff, it's all kind of intertwined. So, I mean, there's some of that that really could bring her down. But, I mean, if she can just kind of hold serve, so to speak, from a sports reference, I, I, it's going to be hard, I think. Any, any comments?
1: Well, I'd like to ask you a quick question because there's there are so many things that aren't coming out in the media. Right. And I know you're kind of a news and media junkie like I am. Sure. If more information would come out, and do I dare say body count, Yeah. there's just so many associations there. Right. Uh, so you think that would make a difference? You know, you guys are of the young, younger age, so you know where you get most of your information—social media. Even I get that now. Believe it or mm-hmm. not, as old as I am, would that, could that make a difference? Because there is absolutely no way I will vote for. Ro, obviously, full disclosure, think, Republican. <laughs> yeah. I
3: think one problem is in. And feel free to jump in here, Lauren. Um, I think in the society right now, it's almost seen as forbidden to change your views or to be influenced. It's, it's either shows as like a sign of weakness to be able to think about something and say, oh, that's a good point. You know, I'd like to think about that. No, you have to be set in your, you're either left or right. You're either, you know, pro or against. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. nothing. And it it really seems like a a thing of weakness to say, hmm, well, I don't like that. Maybe I'm going to vote for this person now. It it seems like you you have to be set.
1: Thinking
0: and thought processes. Mm -hmm. That's pretty sad for our society, isn't it?
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, why should you be set immediately?
0: I agree with that completely. I have several friends who I know... Um, support Hillary, and I feel like if I approach them with, you know, these new stories that are coming out, they would just fire back with some reason of, you know, why that isn't true or make some type of justification instead of really looking into the matter.
1: Yeah. You know, I never have a problem. If you give me some facts, because believe it or not, I have changed my mind, <laughs> even though I'm conservative, your mind can be changed. Mm-hmm. And go see Hillary's America.
2: Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, which nobody wants anybody to see.
3: yeah. And then on the other side, Brad, besides getting stronger hair gel, how would you advise Trump to win?
2: <laughs> well, see, Trump has a little bit of the same issue that, that I do. I wish that email would have a sarcastic font to it, that you could just say this font is sarcastic font. So when I say something in sarcasm, it's just a font. It's just, it's you know, I'm idea. being a, I'm being uh, a smart ass. Yep. I've proposed
3: a backwards slant font. A backwards. So, backwards slant? italics. That's what I oh, propose that's good. for nice. okay. batalics. But, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that, that would Vitality. be the sarcasm font. So it's kind of like you're shouting if it's capitals mm-hmm. and if it's backwards slanted, it's, you know, this is supposed to
2: be yeah. funny. Well, and, and and that's what's interesting is that, you know, it's um, there, there's a lot of things that he says that he is being sarcastic in a, but at the same way that a lot of times we use sarcasm to get our point across. You know, you might say, oh, David, that's a really cool shirt you got there. <laughs> I'm really not talking about how cool a shirt is. I'm really telling about how bad a shirt is. But I'm saying, you know, but if you read the transcript, you say, David, Brad really likes David's shirt, you know? So I wish there was a sar- sarcasm font so we could know when he's being sarcastic. Because I think a lot of these times he's being sarcastic and the media just jumps on and says, oh, he hates the yes. baby, kick the baby out of the deal. You
1: know? And there again, you hit the media impact. Mm-hmm. If, if you thought, and you went back, somebody said, oh, he said this. I said, what exactly was the co- quote context and everything? But, you know, we're letting the media think mm-hmm. for us. All
3: right. Cool. So got a couple more here, Brad. What is one flavored drink that you would like to see in our society?
2: If they could make a chili cheese soda. I knew that
3: was coming. I knew that was coming. If they could make a
2: chili cheese flavored soda, I would be <laughs> cha-ching <laughs> in. Like, what like, would you call like, it? Like Gatorade chili cheese. Gator- <laughs> <You know what? laughs> I will tell you my new favorite one is Limon Pepino Gatorade, which is mm. muy fantástico. Mm.
3: That sounds (laughs) mooey. It's lime and
2: cucumber. Cucumber? Mm -hmm. Yes. And then another question with the
3: Olympics. What would you think about having maybe an all drug Olympics?
2: Oh, I think that's a great (laughs) deal.
3: Where drugs are not only encouraged, but required.
2: Oh, absolutely. I think that'd be fantastic because I think you'd have like some guy deadlifting like 4,000 pounds and then maybe like his arms just fall off. Like that Saturday Night Live (laughs) one. Saturday Night Live one, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever it is. You know, I think that just to see how fast. All right, look. The guy just ran 100 meters in four and a half seconds. Yeah. His his feet are on fire. And he's still going. Uh His feet are on fire. And and he snorted all the way up the line. You know what (laughs) I mean? Just like, make it go. I just, you know, let's push the limits of human evolution here. Let's do this. We
3: already got stuff in Brazil. So we're, we're, I think we might as well. (laughs) Might as well. (laughs) We got pools turning green. (laughs) Then the last one, Brad. How would you change our system of driving? Either blinkers, different road rules. What would you do?
2: Okay, first off, I think human beings should have blinkers on themselves at all times, oh, anyways, I like just that. like right on our butts, and so I could actually tell what <laughs> somebody's doing when they're walking. But um, I don't know. I think it's really, I think it's really difficult. I think the uh, the the concept of the yellow light and the green light is kind of interesting because people speed up and slow down. I, I I don't know what I would change, Dave, because it's just so it's so intertwined. I think we should drive on the left hand side. Let's just make a huge change. Let's just make it better for everybody. Oh man! Wait, do we drive on the left-hand side now or (laughs) right-hand? I don't know. Is this Russia, Brad? Is this Russia? I don't think it's Russia. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Let's get a smutka.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks, Brad. Very good job. Sounds good. We're doing the good
2: there once again. You're listening to the We Are Money podcast, brought to you by Beasley Mitchell and Company, and we move on to segment four, which is David's legal corner.
0: The information contained on David's Legal Corner is provided as a general public service. The listeners, if any, are advised to check for changes to current law and to consult with an attorney. David's Legal Corner is not paid for by the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, the Libertarian Party, the Green Party, the Labor Party, the Constitution Party, the Birthday Party, the Retirement Party, the Holiday Party, the Bachelor Party, or Party of Five. Contributions or gifts to David's Legal Corner are not deductible as charitable contributions for federal income tax purposes. However, they are welcome and encouraged because isn't it nice just to give a gift without expecting something in return once in a while? I am not David Beasley, and I haven't decided yet whether I approve this disclaimer.
3: Thank you, Lauren. Appreciate that. <laughs>
2: party of five. Party of five. I was trying to come up wow. with anything
3: with party. You know, that's party on five. We used to have a
2: drinking game that we play in college. That every time somebody cried, you had to drink on party of five, and you were hammered about ten minutes in. <laughs> oh <my> so, <laughs> I mean, it was it was always fun. So, well, Dave, we're talking. I know that today we're talking about something that's kind of interesting.
3: Yeah, we're going to talk about dark money.
2: You
0: don't know the power of the dark side.
3: Now, so some of you may know, some of you may not know what actually is dark money. Dark money is kind of a concept where dark money refers to political spending meant to influence the decision of a voter where the donor is not disclosed and the source of the money is unknown. Depending upon the circumstances, dark money can refer to funds spent by political nonprofits or a super PAC or an independent expenditure committee things like that so um, first off I'll, I'll throw it over to our, our guest here have what is your experience with this dark money in your in your work
1: well there's a big controversy going on about that um, and I can't really talk about too many things specific because it is I am in the lobbying field mm-hmm. but the problem that comes that happens as you guys well know then anybody can come in Sign up to be a certain group, and you really don't know who that is. That's why I'm such a big proponent of full disclosure, because that way you know who actually donated that money, and it can cause problems and rumors and lawsuits. It's it's a problem and needs to be dealt with. Our Secretary of State, Michelle Reagan, wants full disclosure.
2: So let me, when we talk about full disclosure, here's here's one of the issues that I have. I am I am with you. I think we should have full disclosure. So, but if there is a, a specific a controversial thing. So let's call it either a minimum wage increase or let's call it the bathroom issue in North Carolina or some, something that's, that's controversial. And Brad Beasley, the person says, I'm going to give a thousand dollars on side a going against side B. Well, then there's so much backlash because now they're pulling down the list of everybody that game gave, gave to a, and they're publishing their names on yeah. the front of the newspaper so that you go, well, gosh, Brad Beasley, who might be a pro- might might one day hope to be grow up and be a prominent figure in, in, in a community. One day. One day. day. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. You know, would like, would, you know, is, is getting backlash for some stuff that they're doing and mm-hmm. it just seems like it's, it's really punitive. And won't do it. And I won't Nobody do it. So you know what I'm going to do right now is I'm just going to turn my hands up and say And then say, that'll make it. the problem
1: even worse. Right. Well, what you could do at least when you start up a fund, then you have to say, who owns it? Who's running this thing? Because that will tell you. And I guess I didn't explain that very well. Because you're right. If, if you know, Alice Lada gave $5. Now, personally, somebody's going to probably find out mm-hmm. anyway. But yeah, you have a really good point there.
2: Yeah. We just, have, it just makes it difficult.
3: Cuz I know in a, in in my work we have some businessmen that that that's their big concern is that they're they're trying to still run their business and and their business is dealing with the public a lot and a boycott or extremely bad publicity can extremely hurt their business. And so that's what they're that's what they're afraid of. So with this, they, they try to create—a lot of times what, what they're doing on this is they're doing it through either political organizations or certain nonprofits, um, things like that, to, to get that set up.
1: To, to me, and I can think of some other examples, but say you, you organize a group. Then you have a board of directors, and a lot of times you go on that website and you find out who are the board of directors. That will tell you a lot about what you need to know about where that group is going and who's behind them. You could do something like, you know, a, a certain contribution of over a certain amount. And if it's by a group or business, but it does get tricky. But again, this is why you need lobbyists, I guess. huh?
2: Well, and what gets interesting is like where you have some groups that, that are very well structured. And so you may have, I'm not picking on age groups or whatever it is, but you may have, let's say, a board of directors of 10 people who are retired, only drawing Social Security and federal pension. And so their livelihood will not change from an income standpoint, no matter what their political views are. And so they're the ones that they put up front and say, "Okay, look, you are, we're, you're the board of directors. Mm-hmm. You're going to go yell and scream at these awful business owners that want to do this stuff." And we're going to because there's really no negative impact if they get negative if they get negative feedback. It doesn't change their income status situation whatsoever. Versus a boycott in front of a business or whatever it is that does these things. Uh, I just think it gets kind of weird because there's this cost benefit analysis you have to do as a business owner. that says, kind of like our political yeah. capital discussion. Right. Am I going to step out in front? and do this, and am I going to be okay with the uh, results?
1: It's a dangerous world. But at the same time, uh, in today's world, somebody will call up that person, and they'll ask them, and they'll find out. They'll do some digging. And nothing, you know what, nothing is private anymore. That's what I think.
3: Yeah. And I, I would agree on, on that, since that it, it's really tough to keep anything sort of private. And some people put stuff on Facebook and still think it's gonna be private. <laughs> how'd um, you know about that? How'd you know about that? Well you posted it everywhere and took pictures <laughs> and, and all that to to do that. So that's an interesting thing. And um, you know, if you if you have any questions on that, we'd be glad to glad to help you on that. We are now gonna move on to our movie hero tax slash political question for today. And while they're not he's not exactly a superhero, he is in my mind, the greatest of all the Hispanic Heroes Out of the night when the full moon is bright
0: comes a horseman known as Zorro. This bold renegade cars the sea with his blade. A Z that
3: stands for Zorro. So that's Zoro Brad. If you want to give us a little big background uh who is Zorro?
2: So Zorro was a uh, uh California nobleman who at night fought for the, the rights of the people. He, was, he donned his black cape and he had his horse. Uh, I forget his horse's name now, darn it. Um, but he had a horse and he rode through the villages and he saved people and it was just a, all fantastic. And David, did you know that uh, Zorro is actually Spanish for the fox?
3: Well, that's not a meat product at all, is it? No,
2: it's not. So, just a little, <laughs> little, little Espanol para tú. I thought it was
3: like a fighting chicken or something.
2: Zorro. <laughs> it might have been, no, that's, that's, that's El Diablo. El Diablo's fighting chicken. Okay. <laughs> Got it. So, Zoro's interesting. And so, you know, I think, David, one of the questions that you had had was what political figure could you see running around at night as a superhero?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, the obvious choice is Schwarzenegger. I mean, obvious there, but that's well, but we've yeah. seen we've actually seen him as a superhero right. running around. So, I mean, the ones that I'd kind of like to see, um, you know, I think like um, Kucinich.
2: Kucinich, okay, yeah,
3: yeah I'd, I'd like to see him because no one would suspect him. He would just like
2: sneak in, sneak out, and sneak in, sneak out. Yeah, that's that'd be interesting. So let's see, who else could you have? Um, well we have, we have Susana Martinez is the pizza throwing hero <laughs> pizza person <laughs> sorry are that's are like the from- from <laughs> from from, from, <laughs> yes, like Noid from Domino's yes <laughs> a little bad pizza joke for, <laughs> for New Mexico sorry Susana that's funny no that's just you know that's what you always think about what can these guys do at night you look at all these you know this guy mm-hmm. this guy in Zorro he was a nobleman mm-hmm. uh, Don,
3: De La Vega. Don De La Vega either Antonio De Banderas or the original do you know who the original was
1: I should, but I cannot think of the guy
3: name. Guy Williams.
1: Oh, Guy Williams? Isn't he the Lost in Space guy?
2: Yeah, he was also... Oh,
1: that's right. You're Zorro's. right. Yes, so
2: he I wasn't right. even Espanol?
3: No, he wasn't even Spanish. Williams. Now, the question is, was Zorro Spanish or is he Mexican? Because he was in California, but at the time... when mm-hmm. stuff, at, the time? Pa- at the time? At the time. Yes, Mr. Koch. At tea time? He- <laughs> at,
0: tea
1: time. <laughs> at the time. <laughs> or was he half like the original Spanish and came over here and
2: mm-hmm. hung
0: out with Indians? I
2: don't know. Mm. Christina, don't know. what do you think about political figures that could be superheroes at night?
0: You know, I kind of went a different uh, direction with this, as I was I was trying to match a superhero with a political figure. Oh, Um, I like to hear this. Yeah, so I wouldn't say I am well versed in the superhero arena. We are working on on that. that. We're girls. We are, and you know, I have decided that I will watch all the superhero movies. I don't think I have seen one. Just okay. so, just talk listeners to our guest
3: last time, Robert, and he'll get you hooked up exactly. With all that. Yeah, exactly, got all, I've got, got him homework his, to do. Got him on his iPad.
0: <laughs> um, but I heard that Hawkeye okay. is a superhero that people think is maybe a little irrelevant. That he, people yeah. think he can't really do too much, he's not that important. Um, he shoots a bow and arrow, but yeah. but he does save lives. I have heard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the same sense. Uh, Gary Johnson. A lot of people think that he will not be able to win this upcoming election. Right, but I do think that there is a chance he gives people the option to cast their vote for someone as opposed to casting a vote against someone.
2: Because <laughs> he's pro legalization nationwide of. of uh,
1: Marijuana. Marijuana. Yeah. I think he's offering an option for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Like you I say they so. don't no, or I'm not going to vote. So they're going to vote for him. Yeah.
3: Exactly. See, I would kind of equate him with Green Lantern. Green, <laughs> Lantern no. Green, Green, Green Lantern could kind of like, he could just create things out of energy, but it really wouldn't do very much. So, like, he's like creating his political capital, but it's not going to do much. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs>
2: like, look at this. What is that for? I don't know. What does it do? I have no, I have idea. no idea. I have no idea. Well, you know, I think that, uh, what about you?
1: Else? You know, David was telling me about this, and I was thinking about I was a cruise person, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I was thinking about underdog, Cruz, because yeah. he's kind of soft. You know, nobody really wow. knows he has a little bit mm-hmm. of a nasally voice, mm-hmm. but he has done a lot of good political infighting. So, yeah, just yeah. an underdog costume.
3: So, do you think Cruz <laughs> would have would have made it with uh, without Trump coming in here? Do you think he would have taken it over, or do you think? I mean, I know he ended up being second, but.
1: It's a very good question. I, of course, would have liked to have seen that. Um, the problem, and I even kind of hesitated supporting him at first, is because I know there's the other side who would bring up his question of eligibility. hmm. But he's Canadian. He, yeah. He's Canada, yeah. <laughs> that didn't matter with Take the first president, it, yeah. so <laughs> what does it matter now? <laughs> but clearly, he had everything the Republicans were, well, the uh, grassroots Republicans were, were mad about, he was doing that to fight against the elite. But evidently, it wasn't strong enough. I think, as I've heard people say, they want someone to go in there with a baseball bat and just clean it up, be a Clint Eastwood about it, and Mm -hmm. clean up. Because people are mad. And not just on the Republican side, on both sides.
2: Right. That's great. Well, that's always fun. Like I said, we always like the the Zorro. That's a good, spawned a good discussion and tied in with political stuff. So now we're going to our new segment. Segment number six is what grinds Garzina's gears.
3: All right, Grazina, so we're debuting this new segment. What do you got for us? That's
0: right. Let me tell you the different types of people at the grocery store. They really raise my blood pressure. First of all, you have the people who take up the entire aisle by standing in the middle with a cart. I'm like, sir, I understand that you're deep in thought about whether or not the two scoops of raisins is worth the extra 37 cents for the brand name. But I cannot get to my Fruity Pebbles when you're acting like a roadblock. (laughs) Then we've got the people who stand there and have conversations for 10 minutes. I'm sorry, ma'am, I didn't realize there was a high school reunion in produce. (laughs) I don't mean to interrupt your conversation about how that arrogant prom king from 1980 no longer has hair, but I need that celery. (laughs) (laughs) Then we have the shoppers who let the kids manage the cat. Sometimes the kid is pushing the cat, and he has no spatial reasoning, so I end up getting knocked into a display of Salsa Jaws. Sometimes the kid is writing on the bottom of the cat, So his mom walks at a snail's pace to avoid running over him. I'm like, ma'am, if we don't pick up the pace here, my gallon of milk is going to spoil before I get to (laughs) checkout. And lastly, there's the folks that barrel out of the aisles into the main area without so much as glancing to see if anyone's coming. Then they give me a dirty look like it's my fault. Would you just pull out of your subdivision onto the main road without looking right and left? No, you'd get hit by a semi. And if we're being honest, you're lucky that's not what's going to happen to you. That's what
3: Grinds Mikey is. Very good. (laughs) And I will point out that that I always think of the supermarket as like the microcosm of our economy. Okay. Because right in there you have, you know, what's the value of like how much are eggs costing? How much is is bread costing? How much is ice cream costing? I mean, it has everything there. Is it the travel costs have gone up for the bringing in the transportation, the transportation of these things? So, I mean, it's. And at the end of the day,
2: when you get all your stuff put together and you try to get out, you pay for everything on credit anyways. So you, know, so you get out of there That's just by true. swiping a by card. swiping a card and just move on and just just pretend money everywhere. It's a good time. Plus, you get some gum and some Gatorade on the way out. So It's a good, it's a good deal. Hopefully,
3: some Chili Cheese Frito Gatorade.
2: Chili too. Cheese Frito Gatorade. It's market that. Or lim- Limon <laughs> Pitino. Either <Yeah>. one.
3: <laughs> well, great. We're going to head to our last segment, which is the best code ever.
1: And we'll dance all
3: All right. So our last one here, we have uh, our best code ever. I have three sets of three questions on each of these. Two of these taxes are true. One is false. So I want to go around and see who can tell me which one is false. Okay. All right. First have the ice block tax. And this is an Arizona one. Um, So uh, they recommend in Arizona that you opt for cubed ice over ice blocks to avoid higher price. In Arizona, ice cubes are considered tax exempt food, whereas ice blocks are not. There's the peanut oil tax in Georgia, the U.S. largest, the U.S.'s largest peanut producer. They impose a five cent tax on imported peanut oil from any out. And it says any outside of the state, but apparently it's mostly from China. Then there's the salt tax where there is a three percent severance tax on all salt produced from land or water in Mississippi. Which one is false?
2: Bradley. I'm going to go with the salt tax.
1: Wow. And you know, it's interesting because I love this segment because, and it's really hard. I'll tell you why. Because being in the lobbyist business, anything's possible. <laughs> Anything <dang law laughs> is possible. I'm just going to, because I'm from Arizona, I'm going to say the ice block tax is false. Lauren? That ice block tax.
3: Ooh, the peanut oil one I made up. <gasps> really? Oh, the ice blocks one is there because in, ice, in in Arizona, the ice cubes are considered a, a food, with the ice blocks or not. I should know that. Not that. that. So, wow. Is that yeah. a new law? Nope. It's, it's, it's not? No. So it's a... You well, when was the last out. time
2: you bought a block of ice? I mean, <laughs> Seriously. 1963 or four I've, with the ice box? I've never yeah. bought one. But yeah. I know <laughs> one? Yeah. It's always melted before you get it out the door. <laughs> yeah,
3: that's true. I've bought a block of water. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Oh, you got me. I should have strategically been thinking of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm a blockhead now.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just remembering one of the scenarios where... where <laughs> Oh. Where somebody had uh, asked us to put together, um, yeah, get some water, and we put the ice in the water, and they said, "No, you can't. We, we want regular water. We don't want ice in the water." And it's like, "We'll, we'll just wait, <laughs> just a, few wait a few minutes." And, be water. <laughs> <laughs> and, they're like, and they're looking at us like we're crazy. But oh god.
3: All right. Well, the, in the second set here we have the Great Potato Tax. Maine imposes a six cent per hundred weight per hundred pound weight tax on all potatoes received, sold, or shipped in the state, or there is the pumpkin tax, where in New Jersey, all pumpkins, even those painted as decorations, are tax-free. Um, and then there's the drug tax stamp, where in Nebraska, all drug dealers must buy a, tamps, a tack, tax stamp to put on all illegal drugs. Not a tramp stamp, but a tax stamp on all illegal
2: drugs. Well, we should have a tax on those,
3: too. <laughs> yeah, we should have tax <laughs> on those, too, yes.
2: Right, so I'm we'll have with... to back into that one. <laughs> I'm going to go with the drug dealer tax.
3: Lauren?
1: The pumpkin tax. You know, it's between those two because New Jersey, like, you know, tax-free, that doesn't sound like mm-hmm. them at all, right? But a drug dealer tax, really? Okay, I'm going to go with Lauren on this.
3: You are right. In In New Jersey, um, pumpkins are categorized as food and are tax-exempt. However, if they are painted or varnished and sold as decorations, sales tax applies. So buy them as food and then paint them. Save, okay. Saves <laughs> you a little bit of tax there.
0: A little free, <laughs> free advice.
2: I've always had trouble carving the canned pumpkins. Those <laughs> 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 Those are hard. That's really hard. But Actually, yeah, it's not very hard. Yeah. Soft.
3: In Nebraska, they <laughs> require you to have that that tax. So really, if they don't get you on possession of the drugs, they get you well, you don't have the correct tax. Wow. That's smart to do that. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, that's kind of like that. Remember in was it in Fargo where the guy had like uh you know the movie Fargo or no, it was some John Candy movie where he's driving across Canada and somebody had spray painted like FU on the side of his truck and the and the the Mountie pulled him over, and he says, "What's the problem?" Because you have to write that in French as well in Canada. Before you for, take off, <laughs> you gotta have that.
3: <laughs> Let's see, and then our last one here: we have the live entertainment tax. There is a nine percent tax on all live entertainment in Nevada, with very few exceptions and very specific exceptions. And so, mainly, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, unless it's go-go dancing, which is one of those exceptions. There is the coffee bar deduction. Earnings from artists who perform in coffee houses in Colorado, be it singing, poetry, or something else, are exempt from Colorado income tax so long as they are tips, they're not paid by the employer, and they do not exceed $5,000 annually. Then there is also the cow rental tax breaks. In Florida, there is a greenbelt law that allows, that allows farmers and ranchers to be at a lower rate, where now many property develops rent cows and put them on their property to, while they're preparing their land for building. So, and apparently even Disney World has used this occasionally. Oh, interesting.
2: Lauren, which
0: one? The one with the go-go dancer tax.
1: I no. hate to be like copying Lauren all the time, but I'm thinking, you know what? Uh, it, it sounds, yeah, because I think they'd have a higher tax actually.
2: Oh, interesting. Well, I used to live in Nevada and I actually uh, know about the L E D tax. So uh, I'm going to go with the Cal rental tax.
3: Ooh, I got you all on that one. It's the coffee bar deduction. Ah, Coffee bar deduction. It's because it's Colorado. Colorado. That's that's where I got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I should have
1: guessed that marijuana stuff. Yeah.
2: Well, (laughs) what's funny is that the LED tax is actually a really interesting tax in Nevada because it applies anywhere that people can see live entertainment. So they've actually had scenarios where you've had a bar that does not have to charge L.E.T., but certain seats can look into another lounge that you could see the entertainment that's going on, and the state says that is actually subject to to L.E.T., And then also, if you don't have a sign that says all sales are subject to L.E.T., then it's assumed that whatever you charge them is you add L.E.T. That means the company's got to pay for it versus charging L.E.T. And it's just a it's it's kind of a gotcha tax. But, you know, so that's why a lot of times you see the curtains that go up when it's entertainment Mm -hmm. or whatever it is to keep the uh, keep from having to pay that L.E.T. And you
1: see what he did, Lauren? He on purpose didn't go because he already knew. I think that's an unfair advantage. No. <laughs> I just wanted you guys to have the chance to be wrong earlier. <laughs>
3: well, <laughs> at least nobody in Vegas listening to us here has to pay that tax or anything. Cause exactly. be questionable if it's entertainment or not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, sounds good. Well, everybody, thank you very much for joining us on this episode of the We Are Money podcast. Once again, I'm Brad Beasley. Thanks a lot to all of our guests, David and Lauren and, and Alice. And uh, we'll we will see you all again next time.
0: It's not over yet.
2: It is for me, sister. Look, I ain't in this for your revolution, and I'm not in it for you, princess. I expect to be well paid. I'm in it for the money.
0: Money. 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 I'm gonna say money.